Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It started last night, you see. Uh, welcome to The Savage Nation. We're just going to talk about a few things today. It only took me 15 hours of preparation to make it sound like I did no preparation. So last night, for some strange reason, I was talking with somebody and they mentioned something about monks. And one word led to the other. And I said, you know, there's a martial arts style called the drunken monk style. And I said, look it up. And it's not really a drunken monk style, it's a drunken monkey style kung fu, where the practitioner of this phenomenal style of martial arts makes believe that they're a monkey and they're drunk. And they become almost untouchable to the opponent because they don't know where the person who's acting like the drunken monkey is going to hit them from or recoil from. And I started to think about all the different styles of fighting and how it relates to we as human beings and how we relate in life. We all use different styles of relating to others. Some use the drunken monkey style. You could say in politics that people have used the drunken monkey style of uh, political kung fu. Trump, in a way, I'm sorry to have to say it, he doesn't drink. But what he did to his opponents was play in a way where they couldn't touch him. They didn't know where he would come from, how he would come back at them. They would see him here and he'd be there. He would lay down on the ground and kick him with his feet. They'd go go to grab his ankle, he'd hit him with a hand. So that is an interesting observation from my point of view is the variety of methods we all may use in our daily lives. And then, as I was cruising the internet on boxing uh, YouTubes, and then I watched one that really, really got my attention, which is the Shaolin final test. I could not believe what these monks 
do in the Shaolin Temple. I could not believe a human being is capable of it. Now, I've seen these kung fu movies. I mean, we all saw the great Bruce Lee over the years. And kung fu was once a great, great phenomenon in America. Today, it's been bypassed by MMA. And I don't know if there's ever been a Shaolin kung fu artist versus a U.S. MMA fighter or anywhere in the world. I'd love to see that one. But I watched the training of the Shaolin monks. And I watched one man in particular who took repeated blows to his neck. He had to build up for this for many months by sticks. The final test was they would break long, long poles. He'd stand there with his neck exposed because the neck is one of the weakest points of a human being, as you know. And he would build it up so they could break these sticks across his neck. I said, how can a human body withstand that? I don't understand. And, and it's because I don't really understand the meditation part of uh, this, this martial art business. This whole calmness at the center. I mean, I kind of get it because in anything I've done in my life, it's all been about calmness at the center. You can be as, let us say, active as you want in what you're doing, but at the center of it, there has to be calm or you can't strike. So I got to thinking about the Shaolin monks, you see, how they train the men to have no weakness in any part of their body. No weakness in any part of their body. And I got to thinking, that's why China will rule the world. Now, I realize that not all Chinese are Shaolin Kung Fu artists, but the ethos of China is that of teaching their citizens strength, certainly patriotism. If there's any nation on earth that respects their own borders, their own language, and their own deep culture, it's China. Now, compare that to the United States of America, where boys are taught to get in touch with their inner feelings, the glorification of transgenderism, all the bathrooms for any gender you want to be. If it feels good, do it. Why not do it in the road? And I said, it's, it's over. So then I wake up this morning, you see, and I see articles like this, Reds Rising, Reds Rising, about, you know, how uh, China has edged past the USA as Europe's number one trade partner. I said, that's interesting. Here I was going to do a show on why China will rule the world because they're already ruling the world. And I see the stories, China beats America as top market for Asia Pacific firms. And Reds Rising, China edges past USA as Europe's number one trade partner. Then there's another story. Candace Owens, wonderful person, comes out and calls for America to bring back manly men, which of course is what I'm saying. Unless we do what this country is nothing, we're toast, we're garbage. We'll be stepped on and destroyed by the world, as we are being overrun, by the way. And so there's some guy named Harry Styles, honest to God, I don't know who he is, but he appears on the cover of Vogue in a woman's dress. And that's supposed to be cool now. In a powder blue, blah, blah, ruffle, a pleated blazer, ruffled skirt, holds a banana to his mouth. And um, so there's some guy, Harry Styles, whoever he is, and he's, he's glorifying, in other words, trans-somethingism. But Owens, Owens is a conservative commentator, and she said, bring back manly men. Conservative commentator Candace Owens says with four words, bring back manly men. How could you argue with that? How could you argue with that when the feminine, oh, I almost used the word I'm not supposed to use. So I'll use the word the Xenon women. That's my great novel, 100 years ahead of its time, written in the 1980s. It's on Kindle. 
and it's called Xenon. It's a, it's about a, a futuristic science fiction world that we're now entering, where radical feminists—that's a nice way of saying something else—radical feminists who hate men rule the society in Xenon, and they they castrate young boys at birth, except for the boys they keep for breeding more Xenon women. I know it's crazy. I get that. That's what science fiction is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be polite. Science fiction is not supposed to be polite garbage that you've read a thousand times about aliens. I don't need aliens. There's plenty of aliens in the Democrat Party to me. There's plenty of aliens on CNN. When I look at Jake Tapper, I don't need to look at Mars for an alien. So Harry Styles mocks Candace Owens call to bring back manly men. I don't have a question for you, by the way. I, I'm just giving you my rap. Now, last show that I did was uh, Monday. I keep thinking today is Monday, but it's really Wednesday. I have no idea how I got here where I think it's Monday. My show on, when, on, on Monday was entitled From Triumph of the Will to Triumph of the Ill. And it was a very interesting concept that a lot of people understood. People who can think are understanding that I'm breaking new ground with my show topics and my podcasts. And many of you don't understand this. Many of you think that I should be talking about voter fraud, but I'm not doing it. On the 14th of this month, is that correct, Jim? The Electoral College votes? Trump himself has said that if the Electoral College votes that Biden won, it's over. He said that, didn't he? And yet we have legions of people, legions and legions of people who are like, in my mind, and you know, could call me anything you want, okay? Whatever you want to say about me is okay because I don't agree with you necessarily you want to just put me down it doesn't matter to me because most of you are ignoramuses i'm a member of the national radio hall of fame i was i was not put in there by a syndicator who bought my way in i ran against sean hannity in a straight out vote and other people and i beat hannity by a large margin in case you don't know it never ever forget that it was one of the times that the hall of fame did an actual vote of listeners rather than syndicators buying their talent in like they did with the ambulance chaser and others. I won my election into the Radio Hall of Fame. I've made my name, and no one can take my name away from me with a few little tweets. It doesn't matter to me. What I'm saying to you is, this is a phenomenally interesting time that we're living in. America is being destroyed internally and externally. There's no question in my mind that the election was stolen from Trump. But the reason I don't harp on it, like the monodimensional single-string guitar players, is because I can't change it. I told you the establishment wanted Trump gone. I told you that McConnell in my mind, and uh, whatever his name is from Utah, uh, I had lunch with him years ago, I forget his name, the guy from Utah, nice, the nice guy. What's his name? Rodney, Rodney Romney. Rodney Romney. Romney wanted him gone. The Bush family, which really runs the Republican family, hated Trump from the get-go because of what he did to Jeb. That's been forgotten. What Trump did to Jeb during the primaries, they never forgot. And they're probably the most powerful political family in the country. You don't hear from them. Never forget how powerful the Bush family is. Father ran the CIA. Do you know that? So the, the Bush family wanted Trump gone. Dems wanted him gone. The vermin in the media wanted him gone. And half the electorate wanted him gone. So that's what happened. But 
he got more votes than he did before. So you could say, well, he won. The thing is, we can't do anything about it. The country is fundamentally an oligarchy. It has been an oligarchy since George Washington had his teeth made out of wood. It's been an oligarchy from the beginning. We've had an illusion of a republic. But it's really an oligarchy. All you got to do is look who the Treasury secretaries are going back five or six administrations. Goldman Sachs, 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 Goldman Sachs. So they, they make the rules, they change the rules, they could do what they want, and they wanted the power to continue doing what they've been doing, which is sacking the treasury and laughing all the way to uh, wherever they go. I don't know where they go now in the age of COVID. But the fact is, is that after the Civil War, as you know, the Confederates had their own money. They had Confederate money, different than the Union people did, than the American uh, government did. And uh, after the Civil War... There were people who kept saying the South will rise again. So now I'm going to fast forward to the 1950s. I'm a young kid. I'm working in my father's market. How old was I? 10 years old. I don't even know. Eight years old. 10, 12. And my uncle and my father and the other men in the market and the women would joke about different things. So if a guy came in who was a bit of a, let's say, I don't know how they wanted to put him down like he was a, a, I don't know, a jokester. When he would leave, my uncle would say, hey, Benny, you know, save your Confederate money, the South will rise again. I didn't know what it meant until I asked what that meant. Meaning there were people who walked around as late as the, I guess, 40s in America who still said the South will rise again and still try to spend Confederate money in their own way. Do you follow where I'm coming from with this? I realize I've gone from Shaolin monks to Confederate money to my father's antique market, and that's just fine because that's what I do. I'll be back in a minute to take your calls at... 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-407-282. I guess I could pose it as a talk show question. I could ask you, will China rule the world? The answer is they already rule the world. Anything else? Well, here's another one for you. Are them governors trying to destroy religion? Aha. Well, that you can answer. Of course they are. How come they leave certain places open and they close churches? And that leads to really a bigger question. Jim, did you ever send that sheet that I put together this morning with the back and forth stuff on religion? I never got it. Oh, here it is. There was an article in the Breitbart this morning where Governor Andrew uh, Cuomo, that's Frito's uh, older brother, uh, he was beaten down by, by uh, the Supreme Court. So was Gavin Newsom. And Newsom and Cuomo said to hell with the Supreme Court. And you have to close churches. Newsom had the nerve to say to the court that his actions are justified by the increase in virus cases and the perils of indoor gatherings where people sing or chant. Now, of course, you well know this is arrogance at its worst. This is a dictatorship. So I'm going to ask you a question. If churches and synagogues want to stay open and they're going to practice social distancing and they're going to limit indoor worship to 25% of the building's capacity, with a maximum attendance of 100. Why would Governor Newsom, why would Governor Cuomo continue to attack houses of worship unless they want to destroy religion itself? That's, that's a very interesting question. My answer to someone who, when I sent this to him was, I said, Governor Newsom made a very bad choice. This is power madness. 
My friend said, yes, but why do churches want to spread the disease? Savage said, they want to worship, pray to God, not worship Fauci. Friend said, why in large groups? God only hears prayers of groups. And then I say, if you don't understand what a congregation is to the Christian who needs his congregation, to the Jew who needs his minion, to the Muslim who needs his minion of Muslim men, then you don't understand the healing power of a group prayer. Savage. Do you have trouble falling asleep? And when you wake up, do you feel like you hardly slept? Well, give the gift of sleep this year with Ebb Cool Drift. For the person who has everything this year, give them the priceless gift of sleep. The new Ebb Cool Drift Versa is a lightweight and portable sleep system designed to be incredibly versatile to fit your lifestyle, calming your racing mind anywhere you need. The Ebb Cool Drift sleep system provides a cooling, calming sensation to the forehead through a personalized algorithm so that a precise temperature is maintained. It is designed to counteract the way the mind and body react to stressful situations, helping quiet your racing mind. And with its rechargeable battery, it makes it easy to use, whether it's before bed to wind down in other rooms of your house or while you sleep. Just for our listeners, you can save $25 off your order by going to tryeb.com slash savage and using promo code SAVAGE at checkout. That's 25 bucks off your order, and you can try it risk-free for 60 nights. That's T-R-Y-E-B-B dot com slash SAVAGE. T-R-Y-E-B-B dot com slash SAVAGE, code SAVAGE at checkout. Let me say it again. T-R-Y-E-B-B dot com slash SAVAGE. Tryeb.com slash savage use promo code savage to save 25 dollars today i feel calmer just saying that try com slash savage guy i'm falling i'm god i'm falling asleep tryebb.com slash savage promo code savage have a good night's sleep at tryeb.com slash savage promo code savage Now, the mindset for the holiday season, all right, we're now all happy and cheery and we're going to come together and we're doing gift buying and we're going to do holiday <laughs> celebrations. We're going to start to have meals together. The family's coming Ms. back Sugarna, together for the holiday season. Students are all coming home. You know, this guy's lost Religious his stop, stop. Please, I feel bad for him. Somebody has to intervene. Somebody has to vene with Governor, Governor Cuomo. Why is he doing things like this? Does he actually think he's popular west of the Hudson? He is laughed at like a big, gigantic meatball. He's like a rancid meatball west of the Hudson. He doesn't play west of the Hudson. No one books this marble-mouthed act west of the Hudson. So why am I playing it? Because it's fun. COVID, now he's attacking COVID, calling it the COVID Grinch. So he got a PR agency to advise him how to build up his public relations image. And, and they said, well, you know, make believe you tell him it's not you doing it. You're not the Grinch who stole Thanksgiving. You're not the Grinch who steals Christmas. No, it's, a, it's the go COVID who did it. No, it's you who did it. Now, I want to ask you something, which is, is it true that strip clubs are open in California, but that churches have to be closed? Is that actually true? 
Because if that's true, then there's clearly truth to the statement that I am making that these Democrat atheist governors have attacked the churches on purpose when they did not have to. You know that there are religious Jews who would rather you shoot them than keep them away from praying to God. Do you know that? They stood up to the Nazis with their prayer books. They're going to stand up to these Nazi-like governors with their prayer books. Savage. Thanks, Robert. My, my great guys over there in Dallas who I communicate with on Skype, I'm sitting here in San Francisco, they're in Dallas. I'm going to miss them, i got to tell you. Uh, we're going to continue to work together on the podcast, but it's, this is what we do. So Robert played that because I said I'm sitting here full of anxiety right now because a very important relative of mine is on an airplane right now. And I don't know about anyone listening to the show, but while they are flying a relative, which is very rare these days, I go on like flightaware.com and I watch the little green plane moving. And I'm like, freak. I'm sitting here during the break. Let's see, went over California. It's over Nevada. It's in Utah. I, and I'm sitting here. I, it's as though I'm on the plane around people infected with COVID. I, would, I didn't go on this flight because of the COVID thing. I'll be very honest with you. Normally, I would go. I would have gone, you know. But I said, I'm not traveling in the age of COVID. I will not do it. I don't know how anybody could get on an airplane today. I don't understand it. So I have a friend who has a friend who owns a limo company. And he told me the other day that his friend who owns a limo company contracted COVID. And he said, this is even though he sprays down the seats, wipes the handles, wears a mask, makes everyone who gets in the car wear a mask. He said he got it anyway. And he was in the hospital for five days in the ICU. So, I, you know, this is pretty bad. Now, many of you say, oh, it's a scamdemic. Please don't be idiotic. Please stop it. It's a very serious illness for some, benign for others, which means you have to be very cautious. You have to take a lot of precautions. Does it mean close the whole society down? No. Who you are listening to is Michael Savage, in case you don't know who you're listening to. In February, I called for selective quarantines. It went over everyone's head. They didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And I want to remind you, I do have a doctorate in epidemiology and two other fields, all three sciences. I did study epidemiology back in, the, in the, I don't even know the year anymore, but a long time ago. I can read data, and I also have great intuition. What you don't know about epidemiology is right now everyone's an epidemiologist. Every schmuck with an MPH is suddenly an ep epidemiologist. It doesn't matter if you have the top degree from the best school in the world in epidemiology unless you have the ability to use your, let us say, intuition and your reason. That's all epidemiology really is, is analyzing by using powers other than statistics. Unfortunately, today you got a lot of really stupid people with degrees that don't know what they're talking about. All they're doing is looking at numbers and not making the, the right decisions. I made the right decision. Selective quarantines is what I called for last February. No one listened to me. You know why? Because it would have shown. It's like this, what they're doing in the lockdown is this affirmative action. Of course, they should have closed down immigrant communities, homeless communities. The homeless should have been rounded up and put into care facilities and gotten them off the streets. They're spreaders. Homeless are super spreaders of many diseases. Just common sense would tell you that. But because most politicians are cowardly, 
and don't want to be accused of this ism and that ism and that ism and that ism and this ism that they locked everyone down to punish everybody when we all know everybody knows this that if you look at the clusters of disease they're largely in immigrant communities old age homes and homeless communities those are the three top communities where this disease is occurring immigrant communities old age homes or senior centers whatever you want to call it and and homeless communities if you want to call them communities so what you do is you quarantine those people you you subject them to this quarantine not to the whole society but there's no thinking here you know there's no thinking at all so what you have here is cowardice foolishness and all-around stupidity that's all that is why the elites continue to dance without masks at their private dinners at the French Laundry, for example. It happened over the weekend in New York as well. Washington, D.C. as well, a phony mayor. She was sitting at a restaurant celebrating without a mask. They tell you to put a mask on, and they do what they want. They understand the relative risks, and they understand that they're not at risk because of the people they are hanging around with are probably not carriers nor infected. So they're willing to take the societal risk. But they're telling you you can't go to church, but you can go to a strip club, okay? So, and I want to go back to the religion thing for a minute. I started by saying how China will rule the world, but they're already ruling the world, you know. How we've gone from triumph of the will to triumph of the ill. Look at what our poor children are being subjected to in our schools. White males, no good. White race, racist. America, evil. Do you have any idea what that's doing to the morale of this nation, especially to boys? Do you understand these radical feminists are the devil themselves? Do you understand what the devil looks like and what the devil is? They're out to get the male. And so that's what's going on. Now tie them into the Democrat Party, USA, which is trying to destroy our freedoms and our religion. I saw an article over the weekend and nearly half of democracies worldwide regressed on democratic uh, and human rights standards. Someone sent me that from some, I don't know, think tank of some type. And I, could, I can't find, it was quite clever. But um, I said to them, why look to Ser- Serbia for despotic regimes? Why are you talking about Argentina cracking down uh, and, and using a regression of uh, human rights in these countries? Look at America. Why, why look further than New York State or California? Then I wake up and I see this San Francisco bans smoking and vaping tobacco in apartments, but says weed is okay. You hear this? You're telling me that's not a political decision? This is not rational science. Weed is poison. Weed is toxic. Weed is demoralizing to the human soul. It's called dope for a reason because it makes you stupider than you already are. Most of America now is stupider than it's ever been because of marijuana. It's also highly toxic. The toxicants that are found in marijuana smoke are worse than those of cigarette tobacco. I know most of you people don't want to hear it. You're denying it. You tell you it's natural. It's not natural. Tobacco is also natural. Tobacco is also natural. You're not going to say we should smoke tobacco, are you? Because it's been vilified. Rightly so. I don't smoke tobacco or pot. When I was young, I did both because I was stupid. And now we have stupid people running everything. And they want to cater to the lowest common denominator. So I tell you, you can't smoke or vape in your apartment, but you can smoke marijuana because it's good for you. You hear? This is America at its worst, at its worst, at its worst, not, not at its worst. You've got to be careful with the use of words here. America at its worst, worst fabric. Send this alarm to your boy in the army. 
I think I'm going to change to that topic for a minute. I was thinking about this the other day because I'm a food guy, and I did a food video over the weekend, and I took it down in the morning. I, I, did, I did cooking, I think, on Sunday. I don't know which night I did it. I was cooking a fish dish. I think it was Monday night. Sunday night, who knows? I got fresh petroleum sole, and I cooked it a new way with sesame oil, and I put it on um, Twitter, which has a wonderful uh, thing called uh, Periscope. I put it up, got about 40, 50,000 people downloaded it. They loved it. They love my cooking videos. But I drank too much wine. I'll be honest with you, when I cook, I love to drink white wine. And before I knew it, three quarters of the bottle was gone. And uh, my narrative had changed on the second uh, uh, frying pan full of fish. So I, I thought about it in the middle of the night. I said, I better take it down. So I took it down. But it was a lot of fun. I love to cook. I love to drink wine. It's the most basic thing a man could do next to things you can't talk about because it's a family show. So what do you want to talk about here on the Savage Nation? It's your show at the end of the day. And as you all know, you better enjoy the last great days of the Savage Radio Show because as of January 1, there will be not a radio. There will not be one. It will be podcasts as now and perhaps a Sunday radio show. I'm working right now with a station, a smaller station that wants to put it up, loves me to death. And if this even one station runs the show, um, which will be 6 o'clock on the uh, West Coast for one hour, it'll be 9 o'clock Eastern till 10, we'll have an 800 number, and you could stream that radio show anywhere in the world. So it wouldn't matter if it's a small station or a big one. They will get all the streaming audience from around the world. So it depends upon how much I really want to work. You understand that? It, it, the podcast, we all know it's going to do well. It's like an old story. There used to be a joke in San Francisco in the 70s that when you open a bar in San Francisco, it's not a matter of whether it will do well. It's a matter of how well it will do. And it's the same with my podcast. It's not a matter of whether it will do well. It's a matter of how well it will do. And I'm giving it three months from January through March 31st, which will be, God willing, my birthday. I will decide at that point whether I want to continue. And I'm assuming it will be entertaining for me. The audience will be there. You'll follow me there. And if it isn't, I'm leaving. You'll never hear from me again, maybe on social media. But I may even close down all social media accounts and just become a person of the type I was before there was social media. You know, there was a time in America there were no iPhones. There was a time in America there were no flip phones. There was a time in America that people got along without checking their um, messages every three seconds, walking in the gutter like a moron. Like an idiot, well, every two seconds they're looking at like on the, they're looking on their their holy grail in their hand to see what one idiot said to them or another idiot, or which one stripped down naked or showed their abs, which next sorrowful case of humanity showed off his abs, and that passes for a, a man. How did a, how the world go on without it without an iPhone? How did the world go on without email without texting? How how did people get through a day without talking to someone else on a phone? They talked to each other. They went to church. They went to synagogue. They had communities. They had groups. Now you have to look at a thing. In, 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 a thing. I could do without it all. I grew up without it. Read books again. You remember those? Those things with paper in them? Paper and a lot of words. You have to sit in a chair and sit still with the right lighting, comfortably, corner of a room preferably, and read the book from the beginning to the end, not the Sparks Notes edition of it. And you'll see what the brain is capable of. Or if you really want to study a subject, you, you read a textbook and you really learn what cell biology is, for example, eight, all 800 pages. 
you don't have to look it up on an iPhone. What is cell biology? And get a you know a fifteen word answer and think you're a genius. And then do a podcast on cell biology like you are a genius. There is a world out there. It's a big world. Lucky for me. So this morning, I was talking to a friend. I'm moving around now. I told you this is how my shows work. I'm a conversationalist. This is a lost art what I do. Many of you want a logical sequence of thoughts related to a single topic such as voter fraud or that bar is a deep plant. I, I'm not doing that. What I do with you is different. It's, it's a conversation. And the purpose of conversation, converse with verbs, with verse, verse, verse. Think of what verse was. With verse, we talk, we communicate. And as I learned from the great Chinese writer Lin Yutang, the purpose of conversation is to continue the conversation. It's not to cut someone off at their knees and cut them off like you're a sharp guy from New York. The object of conversation is to keep it going, to settle back and have a nice long talk with someone. That means you don't wait for an opening and cut the other one's knees off like is done in America, like everyone's a lawyer. Everyone's a talk show host or a lawyer or a moron on, on, on the internet. With three words, they try to cut the other one off. That's not conversation, that's idiocy. So that's what I'm doing with you is I'm conversing with you. So this morning, a friend of mine calls me. Out of the blue, he flew to Las Vegas. He was bored. I don't know why he went there. He said, it's a ghost town. And one word leads to the other, and, you know, we were talking about success. He's a very successful person, but he's bored. And I said to him, success is a stale finale. The struggle is the success. Now, he's a really bright guy, and he said, I never heard that. I, he said, please say it again. I said, success is a stale finale. And he, he said, who wrote it? I said, Eugene O'Neill in Long Day's Journey Into Night. And he also finished that statement by saying, not only success is a stale finale, but the struggle is the success. I have found that in my life, that the struggle to build something or create something is the success itself. Once it's built, it's boring in a way. There it is, right? And you can apply it to almost anything in your life. And it's the same with me in my life right now. I am now struggling to create a new media presence, either the Sunday show and or the podcast or just the podcast. And I'm enjoying every minute of it. I'm building it from the ground up. And by the way, for all of you people who have been hoping that I would fall by the wayside and this and that, my show is almost completely sold out with advertisers. People have lined up around the block. They're, they're really anxious for you to hear them on the Michael Savage podcast or the Savage Nation podcast, whatever it will be called, uh, come January, as they are now. So it's not a matter of whether it will succeed. It's a matter of how big it will succeed, and it's a matter of how long I want to do it. I'll be right back to take your calls right here on the Savage Nation. Savage. So it is true that strip clubs and abortion clinics are fully open under Governor Newsom, but not churches. So that does go to the argument that there's an atheistic movement to destroy religion in America. Are you listening? San Diego Superior Court Judge Joel R. Wallfield decided earlier this month that the state cannot force strip clubs to close because it would violate their constitutionally protected speech right. So you could show you, okay, you could show you, but you can't hold a cross. The woman can spread her legs on a pole, according to this degenerate, filthy, degenerate bum judge. Man, would I hate to be his 
his dry cleaner. I'd hate to be Judge Joel R. Wallfield's dry cleaner on a Monday morning. That's all I could say. Can you believe this? The harm to the strip clubs if the application is denied is greater than the harm to the government if the application is granted. But, okay, they can stay open. Abortion facilities can kill unborn babies. But churches are being forced to close by Governor Newsom. This is insanity. They can continue aborting unborn babies without restriction across California. It just shows you what we're living through now. It just shows you the kind of fascism that we're living through. Wow, this is awful. But uh, I know that's not, we're not talking about abortion today. Please, um, please, I, I don't want to do it. No emotional strain. That's my middle name. My middle name is no emotional strain. My mantra is peace and quiet, peace and quiet. Yeah, right. No, it is. Because in order for me to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, I have to remain calm at the center. And one thing I've learned with all of my careers in my whole life is I know how to remain calm. I meditate all the time without even knowing I'm meditating. The mark of a great meditator is he doesn't wear it on his sleeve. I'm meditating. Anyone says they're meditating is not meditating. You hear me? I meditate without even knowing I'm meditating. That's the mark of a great meditation. Think about that when I get back to me right after the top of the hour. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is the 2nd of December. Can you believe you made it to the 2nd of December? If anyone's into numerology, it's 12-2-2-0-2-0. You ought to bet that number. And give me a share of the proceeds. Look at that. It's 12-2-2-0-2-0. Wow. What's going to happen when it's 12-2-22-22? Well, I won't be here. Maybe you will. Maybe you know something I don't know about longevity. But 12-2-2020 is pretty powerful in terms of numbers. And we are talking about various topics. And you're welcome to join the conversation. How we've gone from triumph of the will to triumph of the ill. Will China rule the world? Well, they already are. Just look at what they're teaching our boys in schools. And are them governors trying to destroy religion? You betcha. Of course they are. They leave strip clubs open. They leave abortion clinics open, but they tell churchgoers they're going to go to jail. So tell me what you think. You're telling me these governors are not atheists who are out to destroy religion? Tell me what you think. Jason in San Francisco, line five on KSFO. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah. Jason the tenderloin in san francisco and uh, uh since the start of the pandemic i've seen that all the massage parlors are still open for business as usual well the politicians need to get the attention relieved somehow don't they i guess and the under i mean don't the politicians have to go to the to the massage parlors of course the strip uh, the massage parlors are open where else would these bums go and the tenderloin, it's like, you know, business as usual. No one's wearing masks, social... What do you mean? What do you mean? The people down there, in the, like in the homeless type of people, they're all running around without masks? 
uh, not just the homeless. You know, the Tenderloin's always been just vagrants and drug addicts, and they're still... Oh, yeah. Well, yes, San Francisco's finest. I get it. The people have been put at the top of the uh, social pyramid by the uh, government of San Francisco. Uh, the lowest and now the highest and the highest and now the lowest. I get it. But but are you are you alleging that uh, uh, massage parlors are open while churches are closed by the governor? Oh, yeah. I've seen people going in and out since March. Unbelievable. That's a shocker. Now, are you going to follow me on to the podcast only come January, I hope? Yes, I will. Good. As long how do you, how do you get my podcast? Since you're a guy in the Tenderloin, what do you do to get the Michael Savage podcast? I'm a truck driver, so I listen to you on the radio right now. Right, but what are you going to do when I'm not on the radio? Uh, I could use my phone. Good. All you got to do is talk to it and say, "Find the Michael Savage podcast." And if it doesn't come up, say the Savage Nation podcast. The same exact distributors, Apple. All of them, right? Give me the list, Jim. I never forget the names of all these incredible podcast distributors. You know, okay. Hey, thanks for the update, my friend, truck driver, my truck truck driver friend. Listen to the Savage Nation podcast. That's what it's called. The I don't even know the name of my own podcast. The Savage. So you got Apple, Spotify, all of them. MichaelSavage.com, and uh, it'll be really the same as I'm doing now. Honest to God, it's almost the same. George and San Fran, line one, you're on the air. What's on your mind, my friend? First of all, Dr. Savage, our family will miss you terribly. You've been a staple at our house at dinner table. My father, when he was alive, he's from Washington, D.C., Philadelphia. We were raised there. He told me once, he said, George, this man is super, super intelligent, but he can also speak the vernacular of the village idiot. He said he's... <laughs> Thank, hey, thanks for the compliment. If you can walk with kings and never lose the common touch, then you will be a man, my friend. This is a little different than what you just said. Yes, sir. Also, <laughs> I've got a little list here, real quick, uh, that you were instrumental in uh, in our family and in our friends. And we're going to follow you on the uh, on the uh, podcast, definitely. We're going to miss you terribly on the, regu- on the radio. But um, the uh, things I remember about you most... 1995, I believe, was the year, and I heard you on KGO one night, and I told my wife, I'm 75, and I told my wife, I said, Lorian, I said, this guy, is, this is a liberal uh, talk show, but there's a guy that just came on that's unbelievable. Now, could you correct me if I'm wrong? Was it 1995? It was 94, 1994. I was a fill-in for an overnight show on KGO, that ha- the gentleman has since passed away. He was a rabid left-wing uh, guy. And uh, I guess the program director wanted to have fun, and she threw me in as an overnight fill-in. I had no idea wh- what the show was I was filling in for. And I got so much hatred from the so-called tolerant liberals. I was, I was shaking when I got off the air. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Never. In fact, when I drove home that morning, I waited for the family to wake up for breakfast. I sat at the dinner table because I, the show ran until about 4 in the morning. I don't know, 5. I got home about six. Nobody was up. They got up about seven, came to the table. They said, hey, Dad, how was that show last night, radio? I said, I'll never do radio again as long as I live. I have never encountered such hatred in my life. That was my introduction to the real underbelly of tolerance and progressivism in this city. Anyway, hey, I'm not going anywhere unless God wants me, and I don't think he needs another uh, kibitzer up there in heaven right now. He's got plenty of them. (laughs) No, a lot of people are feeling like a part of their life is leaving the radio, and it is. But I'm doing what I have to do for me. 
And as of the this show, there's going to be a Sunday evening show for one hour with call a call-in number. That's the good news. I've got a single station that wants to do it, and they're in touch with the syndication company, and we're going to have that 6 to 7 p.m. Sunday night show, I hope. Um, and then the podcast. It's a lot of work, you know. I don't know that I want to do it all. I, can I talk about that for a minute? Am I allowed, Jim? Can I talk about my time off? You know, since last December when I had an incident, they call it an incident now, I've been working three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Many of you don't know it's because of an incident, a health incident, right? And it took me three, six months to get back my strength, by the way. Never underestimate what your body has to do to recover from the shock of a hospitalization. But I did all my shows. I really didn't. Nobody even knew about it for, for months. Okay, so on my days off, I actually don't do very much. You may think I'm an active guy. I go out on the boat. I do. I do sometimes. I actually like doing nothing. Now, do, as I said to you earlier, meditation is more than doing nothing. It's clearing the mind. It's clearing the heart. It's clearing the soul. And all of us do that, and we wouldn't last a day, I don't think. You know what I'm saying? Unless we can actually clear our mind, our hearts, and our souls, whether it be driving a car, for example. Man said he was a truck driver. Many people go on long drives, and they feel that they're calm during those long drives, right? People do things, and they're actually meditating without knowing they're meditating. You get into a certain uh, buzz, a mindset, and you're in another harmony, and, and you forget your problems. They drift away from you. I find that I do that, and I really enjoy it. I'm reading more. I am reading more. I'm reading a great book right now, which is called, I think it's called We Die Alone. It's called We Die Alone, and it's a remarkable book, remarkable book. It's about the human desire to live. And, you know, i got to tell you about that for a minute because I've always been into survival books, always. I mean, Shackleton was one of my early heroes. Great warriors have been my heroes. I've always used them as my inspiration, explorers, things like that, to see what human beings can tolerate in the extreme. And it's helped me to steel myself for disappointment and for the life journey itself because all of us have to understand that no matter what the liberals tell you, there is no paradise. There is no paradise on earth. There is no nirvana. It's a struggle. It's been a struggle from the time you came out of your mom. And it'll be a struggle until the day you go back into God's hands if you're lucky enough to be received by God. Life is a struggle. And the more you weaken yourself with drugs, the tougher the struggle is. I have to tell the young ones that because many of you think you're going to get a smoother ride with marijuana or one drug or another. It's actually impeding you. It's making your life journey much harder. You will find that out in years to come, no matter what the deceivers tell you. The drugs, the alcohol, by and large, are weakening you. They're not strengthening you. But having said that to you, so I'm saying we're on life's journey, so I enjoy survival stories. So this book is called We Die Alone, and it was based upon a movie I saw on Netflix approximately three weeks ago called The Twelfth Man. The Twelfth Man, I stumbled upon it, is about a um, Norwegian group of patriots after the Nazis conquer Norway, they leave Norway, they go to Scotland to train as, I guess you would call them special forces types, 12 of them, 12 men, 12 Norwegians, native guys, native Norwegians, and they go back to Norway to conduct a sabotage mission in a fishing boat disguised as fishermen. 
To make a long story short, they get caught almost immediately upon arriving on one of the northern islands of Norway. It's very tragic. True story. And 11 of them are seen on the beach, hands up, Nazis over them with the machine guns. And only one of them evades the Nazis. This story is about that man who evaded them. Evaded them. He was it's such a long story of what he had to live through. His hands were frozen with frostbite. His foot was frozen. And he was helped by some Norwegian farmers in these isolated areas who risked their lives, their children's lives, because the Nazi bastards would kill anybody who protected anyone they were hunting down. And so it ends with him escaping finally with the help of Laplanders. At the end, he is shot across the border from Norway into Sweden, hidden amongst a group of Laps who are running their herds of, uh, of, of these huge, huge animals, right? The moose running their huge herds and they hide him in that herd. And they get him over the border and he's re- rehabilitated. And that's his story. And it's one of the most remarkable stories of human survival I've ever read in my life. Where he should have been dead many times. He got hit with an avalanche. One thing after another and he didn't die. Because he had this will to live. And what drove him was his hatred for the Nazis. His patriotism for his native Norway was what impelled him to even join that small group, which was a suicide mission to begin with. They all knew what they were on. But he was the only one who survived. They killed all the other poor men. The uh, Germans did. And he survived. He's the 12th man of the, of, the, of the story. The 11 were killed. He survived. And it's a true story. It's astoundingly, remarkably encouraging. To, I think every man in America should understand how important these stories are to their children. Your children, boys, girls, teach them about the human spirit, how people don't want to be crushed by a government. And that brings us almost back to what we're living through today with COVID. We know that a lot of this is complete, a complete lie to control your life. We know it from the get-go. We know it from what we're talking about today. The governor leaves massage parlors and strip clubs open and attacks Christians and Jews and Muslims for church and, 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 and religious gatherings? You know and I know there's something wrong with that picture. And I know, and you know what that is. Back in a minute. Savage. It's December 2020. I'm looking at the calendar. Today is the second? Wow. Do you think you'd live to December 20? <laughs> Did any of you actually think you'd get to December 2020? If you're over the age of 50. Many of you probably never thought you'd make it. So I'm looking ahead in the calendar. There's definitely a drop-dead date for this show. Definitely December 31. Definitely the contract's over then. But the only question I have is, how many more shows do I really want to do this month before then? I'm kind of committed to coming in on the 31st and making Robert and Jim come in, even though they should be off. <laughs> Nobody wants to come in on the 31st. I want to do my goodbye show on the 31st. God willing, I want to do it wherever I am. God willing, I'm going to do that show. But I don't really know if I have to be here for the other days. But on the other hand, I didn't travel. And I don't want to look at the uh, flight thing now, right, where, should, where the plane is over to Mexico and think now about the, the food and the COVID and the toilet. Who would use a bathroom on a commercial jet in this in the age of COVID? Even in the non-age of COVID, I wouldn't use a toilet in a bathroom. It was a cesspool. It was a 35,000-foot cesspool. And guys would go in there like nothing. 
So, by the way, I want you to go to Twitter later. So there was a story on Drudge today about the stunning photos, live with the world's most isolated tribe, beautiful pictures show the Marquesans, complete crap. It's complete fiction. It's all staged. So I, I put this up on Twitter, Marquesas story, fake news, no tribes like this, all staged by a photographer peddling a book. I was there in the 80s collecting plants, and I was, and I took my children out of school, and Mrs. Savage and I, and the children were there in the Marquesas. It's a long, long, sad story about the Marquesas. It was called The Land of Men. Is some of the most handsome-looking men on the planet are the native Marquesan men, Polynesian people, but different than other Polynesians. It's the most isolated island group in the entire world. I remember we were on a ship from Los Angeles. It left Los Angeles, and it was 10 days at sea in an ocean liner to get to the Marquesas. 10 days. And I remember pacing the deck the night before we were supposed to make land, and I remember smelling fresh water. It was somewhat before dawn. It was 4 a.m. I didn't know how close we were or how far because I was only a passenger on that ship. But I paced that deck all night alone. And I remember smelling fresh water an hour or so before we even uh, could see the land. And it's quite disappointing in the sense that it's completely modernized in many ways. But if you read the history of these islanders, they were isolated. Think about how isolated it is, 800 miles from, from any other you know, landmass. And they um, were visited by sailors, whalers, in the 1800s who brought with them smallpox, I believe, and it, it almost wiped out the entire island's population. They were reduced to only 20,000 people from the original native population, whatever the number may have been. I don't know the number. But they were almost all wiped out from smallpox, I believe, as a result of the introduction of this foreign pathogen. The same way we have been hit with a pathogen from China, not from Italy. And thus far, it's not wiped out this nation. Because while it is highly transmissible, it is extremely, extremely low in its mortality. The opposite of some diseases, which are high in mortality and very low in distribution. Savage. Doesn't anyone need love anymore? Is love dead? I know sex is very much alive. But where's love? Where has love gone? Love has left the discussion in America. We become such a materialistic nation that love itself has been killed. Instead, all we have is constant titillation, stimulation, seduction, and no love. So the book that I was referencing earlier is called We Die Alone by David Howarth, H-O-W-A-R-T-H, introduction by Stephen E. Ambrose. There's several different varieties of this story. It's about the stubborn courage, courage of a man who refused to die. And not, I wouldn't say the reading of it is very exciting to most people. It's not a novel per se. You know, it's about how this one man's will to live against the Nazis in occupied Norway. That's the story. And how this group of men sailed from a base in Shetlands, in the Shetland Islands, in a fishing boat fitted with hidden armaments. And the resistance movement down there uh, in Norway. Of course, it was unsuccessful. 
and uh, the Nazis killed everyone in that group of uh, 12 men after torturing them to death, almost to death. They killed them, and this one man, John, survived. That's his story. And if you're into survival stories, you will love this. And uh, it's, it's not easy to read. Actually, it's hard to, it's hard to read. The torture this man went through. A team of expatriate Norwegian commandos sailed from northern England for Nazi-occupied Arctic Norway to organize and supply the Norwegian resistance. But they were betrayed, and the Nazis ambushed them. Only one man survived, Jan Balsrud. This is the incredible and gripping story of his escape. Frostbitten and snowblind, pursued by the Nazis, Jan dragged himself on until he reached a small Arctic village. He was near death, delirious, and a virtual cripple, but the villagers, at mortal risk to themselves, were determined to save him, and through impossible feats they did. We Die Alone is an astonishing true story of heroism and endurance, like Slavomir Radowicz's The Long Walk. It is also an unforgettable portrait of the determination of the human spirit. And I guess I read it because we all have to inspire ourselves somehow. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Especially after we have been struck with an illness or a disease or something and we have to go on, you know, you have to learn how to keep going. Most people give up. They just give up. They give themselves over to the system. And that's understandable when you're weak. You want someone strong to, to carry you. And our society is now filled with weakness. Like I could never believe a society like this, I cannot believe a society like this can survive. If things do not change, if the ethos of America does not change back to this rugged individualism, which is highly unlikely, if you see what they're doing to our boys in particular in the schools, what the Xenon women are doing, running men down, look at our colleges today. Look at the proportion of men to women in colleges and take a look at what they're putting in the heads of our young men how they're telling them they're no good, they're weak, they're dirty, they're degenerate, they're racist. Think about that, what it does to the human spirit. And think of how this country cannot survive this much longer. Now, couple that with how I opened the show today, which is the story about the Shaolin monks and what they are taught to endure for year on end. Year on end, year on end. And if you're bored and you want to go to michaelsavage.com, I linked up the video that I found, the YouTube video from years ago on a Shaolin final test where no weakness is allowed to enter the puzzle. And I said, that's why China will rule the world. Now, of course, not every person in China is a Shaolin Kung Fu expert. That's not the point. But if I look back on my life, I'm not comparing myself to a Shaolin monk, but if I compare some of the things I have done in my life, I want to ask you something. You think they're ordinary feats? Do you think it was an ordinary feat to earn a PhD in a field like I did against all odds? Do you think it was an ordinary man who collected medicinal plants all over the South Pacific without any money and funded his own research all through the 70s and 80s? For what reason did I do that? What was driving me? Who drove me? It was my fate. It was my karma. I don't know why. Why would I do a thing like that? I mean, most guys from my generation went to dental school, medical school, law school, uh, and and they, they were smarter than me in a way. Others, when I was living in New York in the 80s, I remember, a bunch of Russians came over. They were very smart. They bought buildings in Harlem. They hired thugs to beat people up and throw them out of the apartments. Very smart people. Other people I know uh, went to Israel. Instead of seeing it as a quest to go to the Holy Land, they bought real estate. They were smarter than me. 
I had a chance to buy a small house up in Svat for $15,000. I knew it would be worth a fortune in time. But I said to myself, if I'm going to invest in the Holy Land when I came here for another reason, then I'm really not a good person. Or how about the time I was walking even in Hawaii, in the back of Oahu, just the island of Oahu on which Honolulu was found. I went back in those jungles where wild pigs live. You don't know you can get lost there. People have been lost in those hills above Oahu in the Ko'olau range that have never been found. Their bodies haven't even been found. And I used to walk back there for who the hell knows why. And I remember once I was walking in a stream bed alone and something glistened from the water, from the bubbling little beautiful pristine creek, even in the back of Oahu. And I reached down and I pulled it out of the muck and I looked at it and it was a petroglyph, a Hawaiian petroglyph. And I knew it had some value. I don't mean it was value like it was going to you know, be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But I knew that an authentic petroglyph had some collectible value and it was worth something. And you know what I did? I picked it up. I looked at the spot in the muck where I had removed it from. And I put it right back into that spot. Why? Because at the end of the day, I have to say this to you. Because it sounds, if I say it before the words leave my lips, I know you're not going to believe it. So I won't say it. See, certain things can't be said because the minute they leave your lips, they are unsaid. So I won't say what I was going to say. It's about, about parts of me that I've never disclosed, parts of my being that I can't disclose, parts of me that are extraordinary to me, this average guy from the Bronx. But what I'm saying to you, the big audience that I have, is that there are parts of you that are the same. If only you could tap into them. You know how we are told all children are artists before a certain age, before it's beaten out of them? It's true. If you've raised children, all children really are little Picassos until it's beaten out of them in the schools. You know, sit here, do that, shut up, take a pill. No, Johnny, don't do that, don't do that. If you draw, draw like this. But before that, they're all Picassos or Chagall's. And it's the same with all of you listening to this show. Inside that form of that man or woman that you are, that developed form that has been developed through your life, through the product like the rock in a valley, there's another element or elements within you that you may know about or may not know about. And maybe you tap into it when you pray. Maybe you tap into it when you meditate. Maybe you tap into it when you dream. Maybe you don't tap into it. But my point is, is that you can, and you can learn how to do that. And when you do it, you will be greatly enriched. That's all I want to say on that. And in that space that you tap into, that other dimension of yourself, that's the part that has permitted you to get to this point in life that you can even listen to this radio show wherever you may be, and no matter what you may be doing. Because each breath is a miracle. I know we don't think this way. But life itself is miraculous, and each breath we take is a miracle. Now, we've heard this said from people who've been sick, and we don't really pay attention to it. People have come back from almost the other side, or people have gone to the other side and come back. We'll say things like this. I am not speaking to you as one of them, or am I? Because I've spoken with you like this long before the so-called event. There are other dimensions to our being. How do you tap into that in a commercialized world where the most, the basest people on earth are held up as role models? The absolute lowest are now the highest. 
How is it that people without talent are at the top of the pyramid in the entertainment business? How is it? How is it? How? It's a fallen society. That's how. Where are the great artists? Where is a Pavarotti in the opera world? Can you name one composer in America today who is extraordinary? All you know is a rap artist who rubs his crotch and shows you, shows you jewels in his teeth. That's all. But name one great composer. Name our current Tchaikovsky, for example. A populist, but a great man, a great composer, nevertheless. Name our Tchaikovsky. Who is he? You couldn't say. Name a great artist in America today. You can't say. Name a great author in America. You can't say. Our culture is fundamentally dead. It's been taken over by the lowest common den denominator. We basically have um, street art. That's all we have. We have graffiti. We have graffiti that passes for music. We have graffiti that passes for art. We have graffiti that passes for poetry. And unfortunately, we now have graffiti that passes for science. All you got to do is listen to Fauci or any of the fake uh, politicians out there or make believe they're doing it for you. And that's what I have to say about graffiti and the human soul. Back in a minute. Savage. So the flight is now over Texas. My hands are ice cold with fear. I am so glad I'm not on that plane. I mean, I, the family's going to be there. I'm not going to be there again. I've done this before. Could you imagine flying in an age of COVID, a five-hour flight like this? The rigidity, the fear, the nightmare. Now, wait a minute. On top of flying in the body of the plane, how do you use a bathroom? on a commercial airliner in an age of COVID. Are you crazy? How do you do a thing like that? What do you could carry like a secret like container? How do you do this? I don't understand it. I wouldn't do this. So I'm already in the plane. I'm looking at the you know, with the flight, with the flight tracker. Oh, terrible, the whole thing. I just hope she doesn't get sick. God. I wouldn't fly today for anything. I wouldn't. I'm not gonna do it. I have friends who do. They say the airlines are sterilizing this and that. Then explain to me how my friend, who has a friend who owns a limo company, who uses masks and spray the seats down, wipes the handle, he got COVID, hospitalized for days. How? How'd he get it? How'd he get it if he's so careful? Where is it coming from? You know, this uh, is pretty worrisome. I still got a restaurants, though. The joint I go to was closed, though, last week for five days. Owing to COVID exposure, we're taking... Uh, precautions. So who else did they expose? Me? When he served the soup with his finger in the soup? I don't know. How do we know? <sighs> the age of COVID. Well, if you're lucky, you're a governor. You can just go to any restaurant you want, and you know you're not going to get it. But if your poor Christian or Jew wants to pray, he'll come. He'll send a tax squad down and break your nose in. Strip club open. Massage parlor open. Abortion clinic open. Church is closed. You tell me that's not political. I'll tell you, you're wrong. You're telling me they're not using COVID to control the population and kill religion, kill congregations? I'll tell you, you're wrong. You're telling me it's not a group of atheists who've dreamed for power like this their whole lives and now have more power than they've ever dreamed of having? Men like Governor Meatball in New York? You're telling me they're not abusing their power? I'll tell you, you're wrong. Here's people calling saying uh, pot clubs in neighborhood never closed. Pot clubs are open, but churches are closed. You tell me that's not a political, that's science. Oh, listen to the science. Listen to the science, said the Democrats. They wouldn't know science if they tripped on it. They don't know what science even means. 
science, like some sacred word. Science, science, science. Keep saying the words. Say the word over and over again. Science, science, science. Psyops, 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 psyops. Who's calling me in the middle of a show? Getting a lot of these 800 callers lately. And a lot of them are chi- from China. They give me like a Chinese job. I pick up the phone. I get like Mandarin. I don't know what they're doing. Why are they calling me on these robocalls from China? I don't even know what they're trying to sell me. I don't speak Cantonese. <laughs> I only speak Mandarin. I'm joking. I don't know what they How do they get my numbers if they're calling all these numbers I have? So here we are. Look, it's not bad. From triumph of the will to triumph of the ill. Will China rule the world? Study our schools and the weakness they teach. China already rules the world. Our dem governors trying to destroy religion. Nearly half of democracies worldwide regressed on democratic and human rights standards. We're amongst them. And um, basically, the title of the show is what today, Robert? We worked it out. Jim, Robert, what do we call it? What's today's show called? That's a good title. It'll get more people listening. Strip clubs and massage parlors stay open while churches are closed by liberal governors. That, I think that says it all. That's a good podcast title because it's true. That's all. Next case. Let's move on. San Francisco. Tim, line three. Go ahead. Fire away a minute or less. Is he there or not? A gone job? Gone with the, gone with the wind. See, I hate that. That's, I'm not going to miss that. The false like firecrackers that don't go off. You build up, you build up, you build up, you hit a number, you're on and boom, the guy's gone already. He went and called another show. Uh, one more. We'll try one more. Forrest in Alabama, line two. Go ahead. You're on the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? Hey, doctor. Enough. Good to good to talk to you. I Thanks, sir. Your honesty and your uh, consistency over uh, over all these years. Believe it or not, I was uh, living in in California in the '90s, and I was at work the night you came on and guested that night. My God, 1994. Left and right. Let me tell you something. If it's one if it's one thing about me, I am consistent. And if it's another thing about me, people would meet Mrs. Savage over the years and whisper to her, is he really like that off the air? And she would say, what you hear is what you get. That's who he is. And if you think I'm a hard-nosed conservative on the air, you don't want to know me off the air. You know, you know what my original motto was when I went on the radio originally? To the right of Rush, to the left of God. Has anything changed? No. That was actually what I said, Jim. Michael Savage, to the right of Rush, to the left of God. Because if, if you haven't read the Old Testament, you don't know how conservative God is. Wow. You look at those Big Ten, man. Man, I can't wait till he comes back. I'd like to have a conversation with him. He's going to say, how did you guys mess this up so badly? Maybe I'll do that for my podcast on Friday, Conversations with God I Wish I Had. Or something like that anyway i want to thank you for listening if you missed any of my brilliance today it's all heard after the show within an hour on my podcast the savage nation podcast or follow me on michaelsavage.com thanks for listening i can handle things i'm smart not like everybody says the westwood one podcast network